pain, you ready? Yeah. Main, let's lock and load. Yeah. Just blaze. Yeah. No, turn me up. Yeah. Me, I think we got one. Yeah. Here we go. Tell me, what do you see, see. when you're looking at me? What is up, Hondo Prep Football fans? It is week nine, and that means a showdown with the Brentwood Eagles. I hope you guys are ready for this one. It is uh, all or nothing, really. It is uh, a playoff spot on the line. If Rio wins, I believe they will be guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. So uh, the undefeated record is on the line. The avenge, uh, avenging of last year's loss is on the line. The uh, possible league championship is on the line. I would say all of the above is on the line. So uh, it will be quite a Friday night out there in West Los Angeles. The Cares uh, I'll take another road trip, a uh, little bus drive there down the, the 10 freeway and the 405 in uh, in Brentwood, California. So it should be an exciting Friday night. I hope you guys can attend. We are fired up for this one. Uh, Rio with a, a good win last week against viewpoint on the road after the bye week this is the second game of the gold coast league for rio and of course the season finale next week at home against campbell hall but this game has been circled on the calendar for quite some time uh brentwood came into care park last year and defeated rio hondo uh and it really wasn't that close it was close for a minute but uh boone lord the the brentwood quarterback is the real deal one of the best quarterbacks i've honestly ever seen and uh, just kept getting third down conversions uh, over rio hondo and and they pulled away and they're a very well coached team defensively they they fly around the ball they uh they, they play with energy and passion and uh they are 6 and 2 on this uh, this 2023 season, uh, just a couple of losses there. They have blown out uh, Campbell Hall last week, 44 to nothing. And we will get to uh, the rest of their scores uh, later in the show today. Of course, on the pregame show, we always bring on a guest, somebody to talk real football, usually a member of the alumni. But today we have a special treat for you guys. We are going to be joined by James Escarciga, who I believe has come on the Get Home Safe podcast before when I was uh, doing some kind of real Hondo football related content. But uh, James is uh, the publisher for the San Gabriel Valley and, and Whittier High School Sports Zone. He has a podcast as well that he talks uh, weekly with um, with uh, with somebody uh, regarding uh, local football, not just in the SGV, but in through all throughout Southern California. So be sure to check that out as well. We'll we'll, we'll promote that if we can. Uh, James is a former coach at Crespi High School, South Hills High School, Sure High School over there in uh, Montebello, I believe. He's a CIF state media advisory member. So we'll ask him a little bit about that. Uh, but the main thing James has done over the years is, uh, you know, is sports reporting and, and specifically writing in the newspaper. And he's covered a lot of Rio Hondo's prep, specifically uh, a couple of years ago in 2021, when he had a very high praise for Jonathan Guerrero. And uh, I think put him on the first team all area or something like that. But anyway, James is nothing but respect for Rio Hondo prep. And he loves uh, talking about it, uh, the, the kind of the school nobody knows about but should. And uh, so thought we'd get his thoughts today on just 
the, the state of uh, high school football in the area. Also, yes, the playoffs are approaching kind of his thoughts on where, where teams may be placed in divisions, what he thinks of the playoff system. And of course, just his general thoughts on real Hondo football. And this is a guy that sees a lot of the local teams and kind of, maybe he can give us some uh, insight as to maybe um, if real Honda belongs among the elites of, of the program uh, of the, of the area, we should say. So a good, uh, Impartial perspective, we'll say, from James Escarciga today that uh, you should be able to uh, to enjoy, and we will get right to that here soon. Uh, at the end of the show, I will give a breakdown of the Brentwood Eagles. We will look at uh, their record, maybe some of their stats like we do with all of our opponents, and then I will always wrap up the show with a, a, a rules segment, just something brief um, you know, regarding the rules or penalty enforcement as the, the old referee in me still likes to talk about the rules and to educate the uh, the fan base so that we are – uh, you know, we are among the most, the most educated football fans uh, in the country. I think we have the best high school football podcast in America. Well, I want our fans to be the most educated and, and, uh, and, and on rules knowledge and just the way the game is officiated and played. And, you know, so we, when we, when we bark from the stands, we know what we're talking about, right? Uh, yeah. And so I thought uh, last week was a great game. Saw, saw some familiar faces, honestly, in stripes uh, on the field. And uh, so it was good, good seeing those guys. But uh, anyway, I like talking rules just to, 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 again, give our fans some, uh, some good perspective. So it'll be brief. I promise I won't go into a long lecture. It'll be a brief one. Uh, and then a breakdown. Maybe we'll look at some, uh, some film. If Max preps has some highlights or something of Brentwood, but you guys don't need to be told how important this game is. And, and I've, I've, pumped up various games all throughout the year. Obviously the league, the, the opener down in San Diego, a lot of, uh, hype went into that. Uh, the home opener against Pasadena Poly, our rivals, uh, the 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 the, undefe- the matchup of undefeated teams, two four zero teams against Boron, the Torrance game. I mean, I've had reasons to pump up games. I don't need to tell you much about this one. This is the two best teams in the Gold Coast League, and a team that uh, has played us close over the years, even when they did not beat us, but last year really took it to us. And so uh, they're ready for us. We're ready for them. It's going to be a, a dogfight, if you will. And I hope the boys are ready. Uh, they can heal up and, 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 you know, put, put, put their best foot forward. I really do believe guys, I've said this a few times already. I really do believe we're going to have a close game this Friday night. Um, You know, you can't always project that, but I think with two very good football teams and uh, the other two that are on a collision course, I, I mean, I, th- I just think it's going to be uh, back and forth. I don't see either team pulling away from this one. I really, really don't. I think it'll be back and forth. And uh, points, who knows if they're going to be at a premium or if it'll be a high scoring affair. Uh, either way, I'm up for it. It's going to be a blast. Hopefully get off work early there in City of Industry and head down that 10 freeway. A little shorter trip than Calabasas uh, that we did just last week. So very big game this Friday. Probably the game of the year. I'm hoping it, it lives up to expectations, if you know what I mean. And hopefully the Cares can guarantee themselves a playoff spot with a win here. I know they're undefeated and it's like, what are you talking about? Playoff spot. They should get in regardless, but let's leave no doubt. You know what I mean? And let's show uh, the world really. And, and also Southern California and uh, all the teams in the area that we mean business because this is the true, the biggest test of the year. Uh, we've had that come up throughout the year, but this really is the big one. And, and I'm excited to, uh, to take on the, the Brentwood Eagles, a, a very, uh, uh, a very noble opponent that um, plays good football. Their, their coach over there uh, had nothing but respect for Rio too. So they're, they're getting ready for this one and they know what they did last year and they're, they're excited just like we are. So we are uh, well, one day away as this episode is released, but uh, yeah, just can't wait for this one. So you have 
time to listen to this on the way to the game, unless a lot of you guys listen the night before when it is released. But uh, however you do so, I appreciate all the support from you guys and the kind words you have been saying about the pregame shows where we talked to a lot of alumni. Sean, tell us last week, got a lot of plays and a lot of compliments on that one. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, you just jumped on here because you heard uh, James Escarcega was uh, going to be on the show and wanted to hear him. Uh, welcome to the Charge to Keep podcast, a, the official podcast of Real Hondo Pro Football. We do a pregame show uh, every week that releases 24 hours before kickoff. And then we do a postgame show on uh, on the weekend where we talk to Coach Carson and one player uh, on the team. So we bring on a guest like James Escarcega, and sometimes we bring on referees. We bring on uh, members of the alumni to talk about their past. And so uh, that's what the Charge Keep podcast is all about. If you're a normal listener, regular listener, you you don't need to be told that. So, uh, but anyway, welcome guys. This is always fun to do. And it's hard to believe we are uh, right around the corner from finishing up this 2023 season, the regular season, I should say. And then it's on to the postseason. All right, let's get to our guest. That's what you guys tuned in for today. James Escarcega. Appreciate him coming on, taking the time out of his very, very, very busy schedule to sit down with me. I think you guys will really enjoy this. Again, a unique perspective on Real Hondo Prep football. Uh, us fam- or us alumni and families and former players and current players, we love talking to Real Football. But it's sometimes we need that outside perspective to, to see like, okay, are we doing things right? Are we are we, uh, are we we carrying ourselves the right way? Uh, I have no doubt that we are, but it's nice to hear from someone who's not affiliated with the program. With that said, let's now get to... Our guest of the week, Mr. James Escarcega. Mr. James Escarcega. Okay, I am now joined by the publisher for the SGV Whittier High School Sports Zone. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I can call him a fan of Real Hondo football since he's a media member, but uh, a good guy all around. We'll talk plenty of real football and local football as well. James Escarcega, how you doing, sir? Oh, my goodness. It's so great to be with you. Um, I love talking real Hondo prep football. Um, one of the true powerhouses in the San Gabriel Valley with bar none. And, uh, to see you guys at seven and oh, this year, it doesn't surprise me just because of the staff that you guys have and everything. It's, uh, it's really, really remarkable. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not surprised at all, but it's great to be with you, man. We, we, we do this every year. And it's always a highlight on my calendar for sure. Uh, I appreciate it, James. You're a guy that covers a lot of sports at, at very high levels, and uh, you love mm-hmm. the high school level specifically. You used to coach uh, back in the day at uh, mm-hmm. Crespi, South Hills, and Sure High School. So you know right. more than anybody what the coaches put in on a weekly basis and can uh, can really appreciate uh, the hard work that, that coaches like Real Hondo do. You know, it's one of those things where – you don't know how much of an impact you make until you see the players 10, 15 years down the line. And when they're having family, they're being successful in life. And they all talk about, well, we learned from you guys watching you guys coach back in the day. So um, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of labor of love. I know those coaches are the same way also, but um, I think the juice of Friday night gets everybody going and that's what gets you through the week so you get to Friday night so you can create those memories that last a lifetime for sure. Man, James, I, I love flipping on uh, Saturday afternoon and watching USC or Sunday afternoon and, and watching the Rams, <laughs> but there's something you're right. There is some special juice about Friday night football. I think it takes all of us back to a time we played or coached and we can relate to it where maybe the higher levels we, we can't necessarily. And I think it's a, it's more of a community 
based event at the high school level than it is with college and pro, the higher the level you play of football and more, it becomes more of a business. I think, I still think today that high school football and high school sports in general is still the purity of it has remained the same. I know that, you know, we have the, the powerhouses of the world of the modern days and the Boscos, but for the most part, I still think there's just nothing like being uh, Friday night or even sometimes even Thursday when you're at a football game, you, you go to the snack bar, you know that the, the barbecue is going, you know you're going to get fed well with, a, you know, with prices that are not outrageous, and you're watching kids perform for the love of the game. And it just it hasn't gotten old. It hasn't, I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long minute, and I still get a, a, a charge from watching high school players perform at an elite level, especially if they're not the most talented player in the world. It, it's still fun. Well, I think, uh, you know, me being biased with Rio Hondo, I think the coaches at Rio and uh, the program uh, all in all uh, takes pride in making, you know, below average kids average, average kids good and good kids great and maybe great kids exceptional. So uh, always elevating uh, the performance and contribution. And, and I just want to ask you directly a few, a few things about Rio football, your perception as a member of the media. Um, you know, I cover the team, but but I got a little bias to it. Uh, I don't know. How would you how would you rank, not rank, whatever, but just kind of how would you, where would you put Real Hondo as far as some of the most consistent programs in the, the San Gabriel Valley? Not saying they would beat a Bishop Amad or anything like that. I'm just talking about the overall consistency of all the different programs in the San Gabriel Valley. Oh, without question, they're they're right at the top. Uh, they've earned the right to be called an elite program when you want as many championships that they have. But most importantly, it's the player development that really sticks out compared to a lot of other programs. And when you see the players go on and become more successful in life, it really becomes a hallmark of what the program is all about and what Mark Carson and, and the guys have, have done on his staff. It's, um, they're right up there. I mean, uh, if you're a, a college that's recruiting a kid from Rio Hondo Prep, you know you're going to get a tough kid, a disciplined kid, and a, and a player that's going to play for 48 minutes and give everything you got. And for a coach, that's, you know, if you're coaching at the next level, that's all you're looking for. But I do believe that the perception of, of Rio is, is tremendously positive. I've never, rarely have I heard anyone talk uh, negative about the program. Um, and that's just because of the respect that I think everybody has, for sure. I think it, it's been a work in progress because I think 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I mean, you know, 10 years, it's just kind of like there was always that, oh, Real Hondo Prep, yeah, we've heard of them, oh, they, but they play A-man, or, or you guys are Division 13 or 14. But I think the program has elevated itself over the course of time, and now you don't have to explain who Real Hondo Prep is. They kind of explain it for themselves uh, on, on the newspaper and the headlines and things like things like that. And I think within the coaching community, everybody knows about Real Hondo. I and to me, I can go back to the game two years ago where you guys needed Charter Oak and everyone who was surprised and, you know, guys like myself were, were not surprised. You don't, you know, this is a program that you're, you don't know what you're getting into, but what, you know, you give a pro, you know, a program like yours, you give them hope and you know they could play, you better be ready to, you know, to play for 48 minutes and to coach for 48 minutes. And that just, and that's just, a, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think in today's world, you know, there's there's room for for programs like Real Hondo Prep, and there's many others as well. But you guys are are definitely the one that really 
stick out compared to everybody else for sure. Do you happen to recall kind of an early memory of of uh, Rio Hondo as far as uh, maybe your your coverage or your understanding of them when uh, in the media or maybe when you were coaching of because uh, I feel like most people have been like yeah I've heard of them but then over time it's like oh man yeah these guys can really play was there a moment or anything that jumped out to you years ago? Man, I, I would have to go back to I believe it was you know oh eight when you, Rio made the championship game and I want to say it was in thirteen division thirteen at the time and. Um, you guys played at Covina District Field in your final, and I forget who it, it was. It might have been Campbell Hall. Linfield I could Christian. be wrong. Linfield Christian. Thank you very much. And um, being at the game and just watching you guys from – I like to watch the games from the end zone because you get to see the intricacies of the game. But just to see how hard you guys play for 48 minutes, I just remember telling – going back a couple of days later and telling Steve Bogan, who was my boss at the time and telling him, you know, I just saw a team that kind of replicates what we're, what we're all about, which is 48 minutes, play hard as you can, and let's see what the scoreboard looks like at the end, at the end of the day. And I think if you're going to talk about the, the real Hondo, it all starts with Kenny Drain because what he did to get that program going, it can't be overstated enough. Yeah, I was fortunate. I was a senior, our, our first year of 11-man football, and it was a tremendous honor for us. And, um, you know, we we were the walking wounded uh, throughout the season. You know, people would wonder, can you guys compete at the 11-man era? I think we went 8-2, uh, eight and 8-3, eight and and something like that. We made the playoffs, lost to the eventual champs, uh, but uh, or lost to the runner-up. We beat the champs, Pasadena Poly, in our first time. So mm -hmm. Ken, Ken Drain really helped that transition of 8-man to 11-man four titles in, in a pretty short uh, range there. And I got to tell you, James, it's been a while since Real Hondo has hung a banner in football. And I think the fans are starting to get a little itch, uh, you know, a little, little uh, nervous, <laughs> itchy about it. <laughs> it happens, you know. You know, there's a certain, you know, there's a few colleges that are looking to win championships too that haven't, you know, won in a while. But, um, again, I think sometimes we forget that we, we shouldn't be, a program shouldn't be defined by the championships that you have. It's the men that you produce that go on in life. And if they become better men, great husbands and to their kids and can think back to their time at Rio Hondo with, uh, with great affinity, I think that's, that to me is bigger than any CIF championship banner you can put up. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I've been lucky to have won one. I know you've been, you know, part of a few over the years, but I have more enjoyment seeing the, the players I've coached where they're at in their life and to, for them to say, we wouldn't be where we are without you, that to me is bigger than any ring you can get. Oh, I completely agree. And I think the proof is in the the young man that Rio has uh, put out over the years. You get a lot of Rio kids who end up in the service industry, whether it's as a teacher, uh, police officer, firefighters, military, nurses. I mean, I would say the majority of students end up going into those uh, fields, maybe coaching a little bit too. So uh, yeah, to your point, it's not about the banners. It's about uh, the future of the young man uh, for sure. But while we're on the subject of championship banners, um, something mm -hmm. that is kind of, it's been frustrating, I think for not just real fans, but a lot of people is this CIF playoff system that we're seeing the past few years where you don't know what division you're going to be in. Uh, Rio's, Rio's in a very tough spot, James, because you want to win games. Um, you, you want to win games convincingly, but 
it almost hurts you in the long run for a small school like Rio who could get bumped into a division that they probably shouldn't be in. Yeah, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because, you know, you're taught in life, okay, you know, win every, you know, we want to be as successful as we can. And then you go into the playoffs and you may be placed into a division that maybe isn't as uh, conducive roster-wise compared to other schools. Um, I know that Mark, I mean, I've talked to Mark about it and, and he's pretty much on the, on the notion of, hey, we're going to play who we play. We're going to give it our best effort and everything else. All I could say to, and I'm a, I'm, I am, and I am a fan of the new playoff system because I think it, it places the right teams in the right spots or it attempts to put the right teams into the right spots. So you have the competitive equity model kind of works a little bit better. Um, I know last year, uh, we and there were four sectional champions that were within our coverage area. None of them were ranked in the top fifteen or twenty, but um, they were they were there for the right reasons, and they took advantage of where they were. And I think this year, and I haven't made a projection yet where where Rio might be playing this year. I don't think they'll be in Division Seven or Eight or Nine for sure. I don't think that's going to be the case, but. Um, when when the opportunity comes, I know you guys will take advantage of it. I would just say stay patient. You know, you I mean, for you guys to be in Division Seven or Eight really just speaks to the 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 hard work that you guys have done. And you know, in life, nothing comes easy. It should be should be a little hard. You know, it's, yes. I always thought it was easy. I mean, I mean, I'll give you a quick story. I won in '05 at South Hills, uh, which was part of the uh, the. The uh, I want to say it was it was really a magical time at South Hills, and so when I won in 05, I remember telling my folks, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna probably, you know, the way we're set up, I'll probably win about two or three more championships, and we'll be good." <laughs> no, <laughs> just won one. So it just speaks to how hard it is. And the other thing too is, the the farther you go in the playoffs, the you know the the opposition obviously gets tougher, and so the play becomes that much more better and the mistakes get magnified just a, a little bit more maybe may not you know compared to a game in week two or week three but that's the beauty of the of the playoffs right i mean if you're a fan i mean you you just never know what's going to happen so but i have a feeling and that's my prediction this year is i think you guys will be placed in the right spot in the right division and i think we'll we'll see you guys on on championship weekend well, I appreciate that the kind words there, and uh, I, I hope I can be as confident as you can in a few weeks. Uh, and and I want to make the point that like Rio Hondo, honestly, Rio Hondo doesn't want to be in Division Fourteen. That's not what they're saying. We're the smallest school that plays eleven man football. We should be in the smallest. We don't want that. We we want the challenge. We really do. Now, Division Seven out of fourteen divisions seems a little extreme. I think last year was Division Nine uh, for the Norwalk game. Um, I don't know what the answer is, James. All I know is last year, take a, take our school out of it. You had first round games with which with undefeated teams. You had first you had playoff teams that were in the playoffs with I don't know four wins or something like that, maybe even less, making big runs because mm -hmm. they were in very small divisions. Um, I do think enrollment matters in any in in of all the sports, football the most because you have the natural um, you know injury uh, bug that that, that goes so. I think that's the frustration with Rio is like Rio wants the challenge. It's just kind of like what's asking too much of uh, that little school at, at 5150 Farn Avenue. 
you you make a very sensible argument. I know the people at St. Francis St. Francis High School would probably agree with you. I thought they were in the wrong division um, when the first and the system first and the first came out, and they had to play Long Beach Poly in the final. Um, I didn't think that was the appropriate opponent for them, and it turned out that they weren't. I mean, Polly ran away with it and won with it, but. I think what Steve Haggerty, the bishop, the coach of Bishop Mont said it best, which was, we're looking for this perfect system, and it's just not out there. I mean, um, and yeah, I think he's right. I think, you know, right now, this, I think this is the best that we have. I think, you know, for some coaches, they're so, they're, you're so used to seeing, okay, we're going to be in this division, and we're going to play these teams, so you can kind of prepare for it. But now, you're in, as you're getting closer to the playoffs, you kind of have to fear the unknown. Who are we going to play? Things of that sort. Now, what I attempt to do, which I'm going to probably start doing next week, is we'll start projecting divisions 1 through 14 so that the area coaches have an idea who you might be in, what division you might be in, who might you be playing. So you can start maybe trying to get some film, or if you go on NFHS Network, you can watch them play on NFHS, just so you have an idea so that when Selection Sunday comes, there's not that shock value. You yeah. know, so and we did a pretty good job last year. I thought we we pretty much we didn't hit almost one hundred percent, but we were close to it. We probably batted anywhere from ninety to ninety five percent. So, you know, we'll do it again. We'll try swinging for the fences and try to get a hundred. But um, I understand, you know, the fear of the unknown a little bit for for some coaches. But you know, you have to, you know, in these days and ages, you're going to have to ad- adapt and adjust. And I should say that football is not going to be the only sport that's going to be doing this if my reporting is correct and from what i'm hearing from a lot of people i think we're going to get this in all the sports in cif so you're going to get this in baseball and basketball and others it's appropriate because you don't want your team to be in a division where they don't belong in because they were so good the last couple of years that's mm-hmm. where the punishment comes in so to speak so uh i'm in favor and like i said i'm in favor of it i do believe it's a work in progress and i also do believe that the eyeball test counts. I really, really do. Yes. And if they had, and if they had a committee, if for Division One, just to go out and get a pair of eyeballs and look at it, because yeah, you know the computers do a pretty darn good job these days, but the eyeball test still matters a little bit to me. Y- yes, I completely agree with that. And you need uh, someone to also look and be like on paper, even like, hey, should these two schools be playing each other? <laughs> You know, just from a standpoint of, of enrollment and we're going to always not, it's not an excuse, but we're always going to throw it out there. Our school is a hundred kids and they're, they're a hundred phenomenal kids. We get that, but it's not like a, it's a, it's a hundred, you know, division one recruits out there as well. So, um, no, I just, no, but, but I think, no question, but I think again, we're, what they're, what CIF is trying to do is to accurately and appropriately match up talent for talent. You know, so that you don't have these lopsided scores and things of that sort. So I still do believe it's a work in progress. But hey, you guys want to beat Charter Oak a couple of years ago. So, you know, I mean, I know it's a great one of the big upsets in the last 10 years, so to speak. But um, I've always thought, you you know, I mean, again, you guys, you guys play hard and you offer up no excuses. You guys is what makes – you guys, one of the more special programs in the area, for sure. 
Appreciate that. And you're right. I mean, with, it's a double-edged sword. Without the, the, the weird playoff system, we don't get that opportunity to, to take down Charter Oak, something that we've wanted to do for decades and got the opportunity to do so. Last year, probably the, the worst matchup in the first row we could possibly have was a, a senior-heavy offensive line, double wing, go up against our freshman guy, you know, and knock us around even though we lost that by a point. So, uh, yeah, without, uh, you know, sometimes you get big opportunities, and I think Real Hondo uh, will do just that. James, mm-hmm. um, you you worked. Uh, you talked about your coaching. You are on the CIF State Media Advisory member, or, or you are one of those. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? What mm-hmm. exactly is that? Sure. So what we what we do is we're we're kind of like the conduit for all the reporters throughout Southern California, basically throughout the the state of California. We're, we're in the middle ground in case something happens to a reporter. Let's say that they you know there was an incident where school was not cooperative with a reporter working the game or which happens a lot of times in state playoff games where schools don't allow reporters to come in because they may not have the right credential or things of that sort. We're, we're the middleman, so to speak. We'll, we'll, we'll get into, you know, we'll, we'll actually like to say, we'll, we'll talk with the CIF office and make sure that there's, if there's any problems that they're corrected so that reporters can do their job um accurately again and fairly uh, without any problem and we also offer up um advice on um we lost you and this- we lost you for a second and there james so, oh you're um, back there we are oh are you okay there sorry we lost your sound for a minute but, oh, but oh, you're back Just, yeah let me let me see here all right we're back james Okay, perfect. So one of the, the other things that we do is we offer up suggestions on how um, relationships can be better between the media and the CIF office. Um, one of the things that we're, we're planning on doing for the state football championships is having a Zoom call with uh, kind of like a Zoom media day phone call so that reporters can talk to all 28 coaches that are in the, CI, in the state playoffs. We've never done that before. We're going to try that for the first time this year. So again, it's more, you know, again, we're, we're, we're here to support. There's a ton of freelance writers throughout the state of California. They love writing. They love going to Friday night games. They, they, they love being on deadline writing in and seeing their paper, their name in the, in the newspaper the next morning or online. And so we're here to make sure that their, their Friday night experience is just as uh, enriching as it is for the players and the coaches and the fans. Yeah, I, I think it's a wonderful thing, uh, especially, you know, the more coverage, the better, really, and get people out there, get them experiences. It sounds very similar to uh, the push for officials, as I was a former official, and, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we, we need guys out there to do it. And sometimes, Absolutely. You know, we need bodies out there, we need writers, we need officials, because there's a lot of moving parts into high school football. And I, I'm, I'm glad you say that. This gives me kind of like the platform. I want. If you're not an official and want to be one, do it. I mean, it. it's, it's first off, you're back on a competitive field. You're getting paid. You're working with people that I know a lot of high school officials, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, they're just great guys who love the sport and they love the camaraderie of being part of a unit, whether it's the San Gabriel Valley unit or the Foothill Citrus unit. Um, I know the CIF office has made it a point to really compensate officials starting this year. I think the base rate was $30, and it's even gone higher now. So 
It beats, you know, if you're a young 25 or 30-year-old, it beats flipping burgers and, and yep. McDonald's or Burger King. And and it's just, it's you're still part of the game. And I would say don't let one or two bad parents get mm -hmm. in the way of you having a memorable high school sports experience as an official. We need you. The student athletes need you. And I promise you, as long as I'm writing, you will always have me on your side. Because I do believe that some officials take it to get uh, criticized for many of the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, we, we try to coach them up in our newsletter, in our weekly column, you know, we call Officials Corner, in which there's a controversial play. We'll go in the rule book. We'll explain it so that people know this was the proper call and this is why it was the proper call. So once you see, once you see that it's, it's pretty neat. So yeah, we need, we need as many officials as you can. Hey, you know, being a white hat for football, I, you know, varsity, it's 120 bucks. Yeah. You multiply that by four, you're up to about six to 700 bucks. So, you know, and that's, <laughs> you know, yeah, you gotta do your taxes at the end of the year, obviously, but <laughs> You know, seven hundred and sixty bucks, not bad. Hey, man. Three hey, work. yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the money was never that good when I was doing it. I did eleven years or something. Had some great memories, but yeah, the money. I don't know. It's enticing to, to pull a Tom Brady, come out of retirement, maybe throw the stripes back on. We'll see. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and, and it's it's and, and again, it's you're you're back into the competitive environment. You're working within a within a team that you know that Friday night. You're working with five other guys, mm. you know, four or five other guys, and you're part of that team. And it's and you're still under the the the, the bright lights of Friday night lights, or even if you're in the gym on Friday, you know it's still it's still electric too. It it, it does. And I and for me, I'm a big baseball guy. I love baseball. And hey, a couple hours you're working on the diamond. You're doing a varsity game. That you know you're getting paid ninety bucks a game. Like I said, I I would want to work at Carl's. That's for damn sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, again. A big baseball guy myself and yeah it's it's the best seat in the house and once you get past kind of uh you know getting yelled at all the time you're just like okay this is part of it and i know you, i knew you have close relationships with uh some great officials in the area i was a foothill citrus guy uh tracy okay. mcfate former signer luther wilson mm -hmm. the current assigner and i know mm -hmm. uh yeah you have nothing but respect for guys like that love those guys and um as you mentioned they're they're great friends of mine and if there's a problem if, they, if i see if they see that there's they hear there's a problem. I'm at the game. They're the, they're, they're the first ones to call me up and say, okay, what happened? And then you explain, and I explain it to them. And they're like, well, I think we screwed up here. They'll, be, they'll mm -hmm. admit they, you know, they made a mistake or whatever. And, it, and that's why I think for coaches, the better coaches don't make theatrics of officials on the sideline. You're coaching them up. If you have a problem, there's a, there's a great way of, of discussing it with, with an official. It's, and it's not to get in their face. It's just, okay, what did you see? Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't see it the same way. We'll send you the tape the next day and then we can both learn from it. You know, there's no need because, and I think Rob Wygod, the, the previous, our previous commissioner said the best and you, see, and you see it in basketball, you know, you get, what is the, what is the, the, the play that just gets everybody going? It's the charge or block call, Black right? Charge, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it can go either way. Right. So, you know, they call charge. Now you got a coach going, Oh, I can't believe it. Oh my God. Making this big theatric, what are the parents going to do? They're going to do the same thing. They don't know any better. They just see the coach yelling and screaming like crazy. So they're going to yell and scream, you know, at the same time. So 
I think coaches can do a great job of just holding back, mm-hmm. talking to the official, saying, what did you see? And then say, maybe I saw it a different way. Hey, that's basketball. We're going to play on. It, it's mm-hmm. the toughest call. It's in baseball the same way. It's the, that outside zone call, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know whether the ball, it's always at the determination of, of the home plate umpire. He's got the best seat. He's behind the plate. You're on the stand at a, at a different angle. You're not going to see it the same way. So we yeah. just got to just temper back a little bit. This is not the major leagues. This is not Division One college football where these guys are getting paid huge money. These guys are doing it out of the love of the game. And yep. we mean as, mean as many as many young guys as we possibly can today. Yeah, it's it's high school sports. And, uh, you know, there's very bad play calls by coaches. There's very bad mistakes by players. There's bad calls by officials sometimes. And there, and I'll be honest, there's some guys out there who who shouldn't be. But when you when you need the bodies, man, uh, you, you know, you, you need the bodies. So I think overall, most mm-hmm. officials in my experience were great guys trying hard who care about the game, care about the kids. And, yeah, the, the money's nice, but uh, you don't do it for the money. It's definitely for, for the game itself. So, uh, James, uh, what about – uh, re- the future of Rio Hondo. I think the school has have had ambitions of maybe getting bigger, maybe playing uh, some more local public schools, scheduling a San Dimas or a Glendora. Uh, sure. we, we already taken down Charter Oak. As an as a an impartial uh, you know media guy, where do you see kind of the future of, of Rio Hondo football? Do you think the sky is the limit, or or they can they maybe have a ceiling? I think the sky is still. I think there's still some room here on the before you get to the ceiling. Um, there, when I used to, when I was at South Hills, and I, and I kind of understand where your guys are coming at because we were kind of in the same route a little bit. We were the kind of the middle of the road program. We weren't the big program like Bishop Amat was and everything. Mm-hmm. And when I used to schedule teams in our preseason schedule, Coach Bogan used to always have a great formula, which was have one really, really tough game, two semi-tough games where, you know, you, you probably should win, but you're going to have to play a little bit. And then two games in which they're winnable games. And, you know, teams are using you to get better, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, it's a great – I think it's a great formula for, for Rio Hondo. If they were to find that one tough game, okay, whether it's Glendora or, or West Covina mm-hmm. or um, even in the – Monrovia, okay, mm-hmm. you have that one. And then get two, you know, semi-tough games that, you know, that – you probably have a good chance to win, but you're going to have to play. You know, you're going to have the game plan. You're, you're going to have to play. You're, you know, you're going to have to strap it up, but know that you're not too overwhelmed. And then try to find a couple of teams that, you know, okay, they want to use you as their catapult, you know, sure. because you, you because of the success that you guys have had and everything else. I think that's probably the right formula right now because you don't want to go like three really tough games and then two, you know, semi because – as you mentioned, you guys don't have the numbers, so the attrition level might be affected a little bit. But, I mean, like, I would love to see you guys play West Covina. That would be a Ooh. tremendous game. It would two, be great. Two, uh, two teams that run the ball very well. <laughs> you yes. know, that, that and would be a both, And both well-coached teams. I'm just mm. telling you, mm. Mike Majori, I've been on the other side of coached against them. There's nobody who works harder to have his players in position for success more than he does. And obviously Mark is, is in the same realm. He does an outstanding job. Yeah. Uh, in sure it, you know, and, oh. and I should mention, he's got a good, a great friend of mine in Rocky Seto, who's on the staff this year over there. Yes, I sir. mean, if I am a coach or a player, 
I am picking that ga- guy's brain, squeezing everything because he has seen it all in football. And he, and more than that, I know he's a great man of faith. He's a tremendous, tremendous person. And I have, he, he's on the all time, anytime team for me, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. He's that, he's that, that great of a, of a person. Coach, Coach Majori's, uh, Mike Majori's special guy. He, yeah, he's he's a heck of a coach and, and great guy to work with from an officiating standpoint. And uh, you talk about Rocky Seto. I mean, uh, when you heard when you heard he he was added to the Rio staff, you had to be like, yep, that's a perfect guy for, for Rio Hondo. It's it's an absolute slam dunk, isn't it? He's a man of faith. Mm. He 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 does it. It's not you know he's really serious about uh, about it, of his faith. And more than that, he's just a great football mind and. Mm. It doesn't matter whether it's the third string player coming off the bench in high school or the, the guy who made the first round money in the NFL. He's going to coach them all the same. He's going to coach them hard, make sure that they, you know, they're, they're coached right. He is an absolute stud in my book. I had a great sit down with him this summer uh, as we were getting awesome. to know our coaches. So if you haven't yes. had a chance to listen to that, uh, his story is, is one that is very, very, very uh, unique. Uh, I guarantee. James, I guarantee you. I will listen to it this weekend. I promise. Love it. Good to hear it. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's great. And and you look at him on the sideline. You talk with him, and you're like, wait, you, you want a super? I mean, it's no no knock on him. I'm like, you want a Super Bowl? Like, there's just not an ounce of ego in the guy. He just loves football and he loves working with young men. I think for him, and I don't want to speak for him, but you know, when you're in the that pressurized bubble that is the NFL and in college football. To come back to high school, again, I come back to the purity of high mm. school football, to come back to it and know, okay, I'm not going to be on the front page of USA Today the next day or the LA Times or the, you know, the Seattle Times, so to speak, but, you know, I'm still making an impact on high school kids. It just speaks to what, about the man that he is. And he's an absolute gold, gold, gold play to stud for sure. Oh man, yeah, a great addition to the to the real coaching staff. The first coach, yep. really, the first coach, really, that wasn't a real Hondo graduate on our staff. We've had that for years. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. wow, I did not know that. Almost every wow. member of the coaching staff, heck, the past all the every decade I can think of was a real Hondo right. graduate. So wow, I did not know that. That's great. That's a, one of the many unique things at Rio. Uh, James, we'll wrap it up here mm-hmm. soon. Uh, where can yeah. people fo- follow your work? Uh, what are do you do? Do you follow schools? Um, uh, on on Friday nights, or do you kind of piece it all together? What what are your jobs, and where can I, we find I, you? Yeah, well, I I am very fortunate today where I get to kind of pick where I want to go, so to speak, because I know wherever whatever game I go to, there's a story behind the win or the loss. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm uh, we've got a a, a Substack newsletter going. We're 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 almost at sixteen hundred subscribers, which for me. If you're, you know, someone like me, 1,600 subscribers following San Gabriel Valley High School football is just, to me, is mind-boggling. I just never thought in less than two years I'd have that number, so to speak. But um, we produce stuff. We, we produce stuff every day. We cover the uh, we cover the area uh, from from the fall to the end of the end of the spring, whether it's baseball, football, things of that sort. Right now, um, my, my we put together what we call our end zone to end zone column every Monday. It's out either Sunday night, Monday. It's an inside look at the game where I'll, I'll attend. I'll give you, you know, the stuff that you'll, you, we go beyond what you read in the, in the game story. You know, there's, I've always felt that 
you're covering the game, there's a story behind the win. Well, when you're a newspaper writer and you're on deadline, you don't get to tell that story. Well, now that I'm not on the guise of a deadline, I'm able to tell those stories now. So um, Ryan McCullough was a great example last year. He, um, the work that he's done in the, he did in the community and everything was absolutely superb. And Mark did a great job of making sure, you know, the, got all the information on everything else. So we kind of tailored the, the, uh, the Monday column to like what Peter King does for, uh, football night in America, you know, it's, 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 we, we try to cover every, you know, we try to, I try to take the, take the, the non-obvious stories and bring them to light. Uh, a big win by a program that may not have been covered by the local newspaper, all follow up and, and, and contact the coach and, you know, and bring that story. And we, and we have various other things for, you know, within the column, we do the five things that I think, I think we do our top 10, we do our top performers. And then like we, we started last week, we'll start giving our divisional breakdowns for the CIF playoffs. So it's by far our most popular item for sure. We have photo galleries that some of the best independent photographers in, in, the, in the Valley, they, they, uh, they share their photos with, with me. So we put them out there so that uh, everyone can, can enjoy them. Um, basketball's coming up. So I'm about ready to send out the basketball previews um, so that, you know, people can un- going for basketball season we'll do the same thing for baseball so it's a constant churn but uh the best and the best thing about it it's free we i as far you know i know in today's age you know a lot of newspapers are putting stuff behind paywalls and things of that sort as long uh, you know we we've, we've had some really good fundraisers and fortunately i've saved a dollar or two over the years but uh as, as, as long as i'm continuing to write and do the newsletter we're going to make it free for everybody so that um, you have a chance to read it, you know, and we don't want, we don't want you behind a paywall. So that's, that's what we, uh, that's, that to me is a big thing. So uh, that's great to hear. It's a, yeah. It's, it's a labor of love, but uh, if you go to my uh, Twitter handle, which is James underscore Escarsica, um, you'll see a link on there. So you can, uh, you can, uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe to it. Plus I also do a podcast every Monday and Tuesday with, uh, Tony Moscow, who does the, uh, CIF game of the week for Bally's and for NHS Network. So, you know, Tony's a is a is a great guy. He's a he's a venerable veteran. So he's got some old school uh, traits to him. But we we uh, we have a great time doing it together, and we bring in writers from from Southern California to get their perspective on things. So it's it's uh, football's our busiest season next oh, yeah. to baseball, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, man, uh, my biggest goal is for the playoffs is to get out to a care park and watch you guys play, man. I can't, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that'll happen this year because it's been uh, far too long since I've been to, uh, to real Hondo prep for sure. Last game of the year for us is Campbell hall at home. Should be yeah. fun. And we hope it to should see be a some, great uh, game. We hope for some playoff games uh, after that. Um, yeah. What's that oh, podcast? Think... What's that podcast called again, James? We call it the under center podcast. It's with me and Tony. Yeah. Uh, we, me and Tony do it. We film it every Monday. We put it out. Uh, first thing, it's on there right now. Our latest episode right now. We just we take a bigger view of Southern California football. Uh, we make you know we we talk about the the not only the big games but the but the small teams as well. And so it's a lot of fun. Tony does a great job. He's he's uh, the new uh, analyst for the uh, game of the week that's on Bally's, and uh, we both had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, and I appreciate the uh, the plug for it. Yeah, I, I can relate uh, honestly. Just doing this and, and getting to uh, getting to do it all, and you know, it is it is uh, you do it out of love, and 
yeah, high school football special. And, and James, it's honestly people like you who uh, who bring it to life for the rest of us. We'll be sure to check out your your articles and your and your writing. And uh, thank you for all your contributions, not just in the world of media, but uh, back when you're coaching as well. Uh, you know, always always a uh, nice. You know, it, it never leaves you. I guess right. It doesn't. And I, and like I said, you've got my my number and my you know how to get a hold of me. If you feel free to contact me anytime. And uh, next time you talk to Mark and everybody. Give him my best. I know Mark is I, is coming to the SC game Saturday against Arizona, so I'm glad he's getting out of the office for uh, for a few hours so he can enjoy the game, so to speak. But um, next time you tell him, you see Mark, tell him I said hello, please. We will, we will, James. Thanks for your kind words and uh, for your uh, continued coverage of high school football and Rio Honda. We hope we see you very soon, and all the fans will be uh, following you and saying, "Hey, James. Hey, man, what's going on?" Hey, so happy to. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Anytime. It's my pleasure. Well, thanks again to James Eskarska for coming on the podcast. Appreciate his insight on Rio Hondo Prep as well as uh, other football programs in the area and the, the postseason uh, projections, we'll say. Uh, a lot of good stuff always chatting uh, with him, especially just high school football. And be sure to check out his uh, podcast, the Under Center podcast, uh, covering the SGV and the Whittier Prep Sports Zone uh, areas, uh, you know, the Prep Zone podcast, I should say. So uh, be sure to check that out. I, I gave it a listen last week and uh, pretty good stuff. Episodes aren't too long. Uh, weekly, I think they come out on Tuesdays and it's about 45, 50 minutes long. So uh, some good stuff. I didn't hear any uh, Real Hondo uh, content yet, but I'm sure that could change, especially as we get to the uh, the postseason here shortly. So uh, thanks again to James. Always, always a pleasure, man, chatting with him and just getting a chance to uh, get a chance to discuss, you know, the outlook of uh, high school football in the area. And of course, his very kind words in regards to Rio Hondo prep. We'll try to get uh, more guests like James on in the postseason. Last year, we had Brian Reed Baedo of uh, 210 prepsports.com. And we'll see if maybe uh, Fred Robledo or someone like that wants to come on the podcast also to kind of chat, uh, chat uh, high school football. And, you know, uh, what'll get guys on on the podcast is, is if this is continued to be shared uh, out there with everybody. And if Rio, Rio keeps winning, I think uh, the, the podcast could continue to grow as well. So uh, we'll we'll bring on a lot of alumni like we always do. Um, let's see here, one second. We bring we'll bring in a lot of alumni like we always do. But um, you know, it's fun to have again that outside perspective from from someone like James. And and we'll see uh, we'll see what the postseason holds for everybody. It'll be very very interesting. Okay, now let's get to our opponent today. Uh, this week, I should say, we're gonna be checking out the Brentwood Eagles, uh, who are. Looking at the screen here for those not watching on YouTube who are listening. We're looking at the max prep page for the Brentwood Eagles. Uh, they are six and two, one and oh in league, of course. And looking at last week's score, they took down uh, let's see, Campbell Hall 44 to nothing. And I believe it was like 27 nothing at halftime. So let's give a quick quick look at the box score. Uh, okay, this is one of those schools that doesn't really have updated stats necessarily. Okay, here we go. Boone Lord, the senior quarterback for Campbell, excuse me, for Brentwood, 13 of 17 for 177 yards and four touchdown passes. His long was uh, longest pass was 30 yards. So this team is uh, definitely run through him. And, uh, you know, he's a very poised individual. He wears number seven. Uh, he, he just uh, ate us up last year. He's six foot one, 190 pounds, also plays uh, some lacrosse. So that's probably uh, talks about a little bit about his toughness uh, rushing in that game. 
on the rushing side of things, it was uh, Jake Cabral, number zero, who led Brentwood in rushing with nine carries, 66 yards, an average of seven yards a pop, a long of 20 and did get in the end zone. Also getting in the end zone on the ground was Boone Lord, the aforementioned quarterback. And he ran, rushed for uh, two two carries, two attempts for 20 yards. And then uh, after that, kind of a big, uh, you know, you got a few guys mixing in some carries here. Uh, three guys getting three carries a game, one carry a game. But I think uh, this team goes through, through Boone Lord, their quarterback. He does run a little bit. Uh, Jake Cabral is their senior running back number zero. And uh, we'll try to look at some uh, big time stats. Let's see the size of Mr. Cabral there, number zero. Okay, five foot seven, 170 pounds. Uh, number zero on the field also plays strong safety. So a, a two way player there. And then as far as Boone Lord's uh, favorite targets, let's look at some of these. This was, again, in last week's win over Campbell Hall. Uh, let's see, Davis Wong, number three. Three catches uh, for 19 yards and a touchdown. Number six, Ryan Dane Shrad, two catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown. We have, let's see, uh, Dylan Cars, number eight. Five catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown catch as well. So Boone Lord really spreads the ball around. Four different guys catching touchdown passes on the evening. The uh, fourth and final guy was uh, R. Brownstein, Brownstein, number 11. Um, one catch for 30 yards. That was a touchdown. Uh, so uh, he spreads the ball around. And that's, uh, again, what the, uh, the what the threat is of, of, of Brentwood is that they're just so balanced. They got so many different guys contributing. It does look like Dylan Carr's number eight is their top receiver, at least in the game last week. He got most of the targets. Let's see if we can pull up maybe some... Uh, Stats on the season for uh, Brentwood here. First, I want to look at their schedule if possible. Let's go to that. Take a break from the stats. Again, they are three and one uh, at home uh, and three and one on the road this year. Nice breakdown there from Max Preps. They opened the season uh, at Antelope Valley out in Lancaster uh, on the road, twenty-seven to zero victory for them. They then played uh, King Drew. Uh, Los Angeles, I think that's a city section team. They dominated that game 48 to 8 uh, in week two, week three. See their third game, Ontario Christian at home. They lost to Ontario Christian 22 to 14. So a close football game there. And uh, we kind of know Ontario Christian a little bit, kind of the level at least they play at is very similar to ours, I think. So uh, yeah, a good win there for Ontario Christian. The following week, Brentwood lost again to Oak Park in a very close game, 22 to 21. Again, on the road this time. So a very tough back-to-back uh, -back, uh, stretch there for Brentwood, losing two games, uh, you know, scoring 421 and 14 points respectively, but coming up short each time. Uh, then they got uh, on the, a road win at St. Anthony down in Long Beach, 31-13. to Followed that up with a win, a 43-24 to win uh, at Pacific Palisades. And then they beat uh, Chafee out in Ontario, who uh, I've I've uh, officiated quite a few times. They that's always a physical game because they run kind of a double wing, uh, you know, scrum if you will, rugby scrum type offense. Unless that has changed, but Brentwood won that game forty-one to twenty. So uh, six and two on the year. Their their two losses were very close games. They did not get blown out um, in either of those contests. So let's keep that in mind. If I look at the Brentwood overall football stats, uh, Dylan Cars. Is uh, re re see 83 yards a game. Dylan Cars, I think that was number uh, let's see, number eight that we mentioned. Yeah, Dylan Cars is their top uh, target, we'll say, on offense with the uh, receiving. 
Uh, Davis Wong, it's no slouch, 60 yards receiving a game. He wears number three on the field and, uh, you know, having himself a nice season too. So eight and three are kind of their top uh, receivers. We talked about Jake Cabral, the uh, running back for uh Brentwood, 63 yards a game. And then Boone Lord averaging 46 yards a game. So again, this all goes through him. Rio has got to put him on the ground. They have to get to him, which it couldn't do last year. He's very elusive. Um, you gotta you gotta sack Mr. Lord a few times if you want to stand a chance in this uh football game. And and turnovers will be great, but Rio really does have to do a good job of getting to pressure, getting pressure on the quarterback. They have to. Uh, you know, stay, stay in their gaps, stay in their lanes, but, but you cannot let him get away. If you put your hands on him, you got to put him on the ground. And if, if you can't get to him as far as sacks go, you got to put some hits on him. Legal hits, of course, legal, nothing dirty, but just let him know that, that we're coming all, all night. Right. So we got to get pressure on Boone Lord uh, and a nice interception or a sack fumble would be great, but I'm just talking about make him uncomfortable. If you make him uncomfortable, you apply some pressure on him. Uh, he may rise to the occasion like he, he kind of did or he absolutely did last year. But if you're relentless in your pursuit of, him, pursuit of him, make his life a little difficult, you know, might be frustration, throw off some of the timing. Uh, again, this this is a, a very good team, very well balanced, but uh, that is their top dog for sure in uh, in Boone Lord. I thought I saw some highlights here. Let's see if we can pull that up. Looks like some highlights from their game against Chafee. I will pull it up. Yeah, we'll let the, we'll let it load here, but. Always fun to uh, look at some highlights of Brentwood. This was in their win uh, back on October 2nd uh, of this season with the 41-20 win, I think I said, over, uh, over yeah, over uh, Brentwood. But uh, their final three games of the season there, schedule at a glance. They just beat Campbell Hall. They got us this Friday night at home and then uh, down in, uh, then they play Viewpoint. Okay, so here's, here's what we're talking about. Here's a little bit of uh, action. From the game recap, Brentwood against Chafee. You touchdown pass, uh, Mr. Boone Lord, shotgun four wide. Looks right, slings it left, just kind of with ease there. Let's look at another look at that. I want to see that again. Can we? Yeah, we go. Look right and then right down the seam. Just an effort, effortless throw there from Boone Lord. Wow. Nice strike. This is uh, another touchdown pass. Play action. That's what that's what I'm talking about right there. The elusiveness of you know it's a touchdown run. I mean, Chafee pretty much had this bottled up, and everything is kind of moving to the right uh, with the play action, and all the receivers are going that way. And then Boone Lord just shows his athleticism here and breaks out of the pocket up the left sideline. Nobody touches him, and just again everything he does. It's like with ease. That's the thing I'm noticing here, just from a few of these plays and, and remembering him last year. That's a replay of uh, the play we just saw. So here's another pass, a short throw. There's uh, number eight we were mentioning. Kind of a bigger guy, looks hard to tackle there. So they don't just throw the ball down the field. They will give you a little play action to keep your honest and then uh, hit running backs in space, kind of like we do a little bit, although not as much out of the shotgun. Looks like the highlights are about half over here. We'll look at a little bit more. 28-yard pass here from Boone Lord. They set up kind of the fake quick screen to the right and then hit, hit their man across the middle. That's a really nice play design. Fake the quick screen to the right and then just leak through the middle, back across, lots of open space. They got some speed too, man. 
Those Brentwood Eagles, they can fly. Here's another 29-yard pass. Probably two or three more clips here. And shotgun. And there, there, Chafee got a little pressure on him. But look how quickly he gets rid of the ball. And he throws with poise. He takes a big hit here. But just steps into the throw. Really nice play from the senior quarterback there. And again, their receivers can run after the catch. So Rio has to tackle well in this game on uh, on Friday night. Here's a little bit of their defensive side of the ball. Okay, Chafee, Chafee offense is different. So there's an interception. I think we mentioned that it was number nine. So final score, there it is. Well, that's not the final score, but that's the uh, first half, I think. Anyway, that's just some... Uh, those are just some video clips that are right here on screen. So we thought, why not just, why not look at them? So six and two, um, you know, I, I can't uh, emphasize it enough. You got to get pressure on Boone Lord, get to the quarterback defensively. Let's see if we have any, uh, let's see. Micah Hubble Smith. He has three sacks. What about their leading tackler? Sam Stern is their middle linebacker. Eight and a half tackles a game. Roughly. He wears number 19. I like what they list like guys play other sports and stuff. That's pretty cool. What do we ever do without max preps? You know what I mean? And uh, this is all accessible to everyone out there. Maxpreps.com. You can look at stats. You can look at uh, all kinds of stuff. So uh, their leading tackler, we mentioned Stern and then uh, Frank Lewis Jr. Also about seven tackles a game listed as a running back. So I would say number five. So uh, those are some numbers, some names for you guys to think about and uh, to, you know, keep an eye on, we'll say, and hopefully Rio does the same thing, but the Brentwood Eagles, man, uh, six and two coming in to, uh, well, actually we're going to them this year, but, uh, should be a heck of a game. Really excited for this. And, uh, I hope Rio is ready for the challenge. They're, they're not satisfied with eight and no, um, because if you lose this game, then it's kind of an all or nothing game against, uh, Campbell hall, uh, which, uh, you know, they did last year, but, uh, I think you'd prefer to have this victory and, uh, you know, who knows what could happen next week. You kind of, the pressure's off in that sense. Whereas, uh, you could, you know, you could rest people, you could do all kinds of stuff really that, uh, you, once you're kind of guaranteed that playoff spot and, um, being undefeated would be great. But, uh, you know, I think the most important thing this time of year is health and safety of guys and to you know, try to make a playoff run because we saw last year, first of all, injuries can happen at any time, which we've seen. I mean, uh, Nate shine with his shoulder, uh, busted that up a few weeks back and just, a, you know, regular play just falling down and getting landed on wrong. And so, uh, these injuries can happen at, at random times. And if you saw last year, you know, we went into that playoff game against a much bigger, uh, bigger school, bigger competition, and we needed everybody we, we had out there. And, you know, we had some injuries in that game, of course, the uh, injuries before the game. And so, um, always keep that in mind that, you know, when we are, when the coaches are pulling guys out or, you know, making substitutions and things, it, it's all for the betterment of the football team. And I really do trust our coaching staff and, uh, we can be critical of them at times, I'm sure, but, uh, ultimately they make, uh, good decisions for our football team and for the young men. They're not throwing young men out there who are going to put the, you know, put them in harm's way by any means. They're, they're not doing any of that. They, they really do care about the well uh, of our football team. And, and I will say on the medical side of things, I can't think of a better medical staff that, that then, you know, Dr. Dr. Walsh and, uh, and Dr. Fairley out there who kind of leading the charge on things. And they, they've really 
helped with the development of our players through some injuries and things of that nature too. Cause they understand wanting to be on the field, but also, you know, limiting you when things you want to do, they, they, they walk a very fine line. They're never going to put guys on the field that, uh, to risk more injury. Anyway, those are, that's my little two cents on everything. Uh, just want the, the parents and alumni always be, you know, trusting the coaches, trusting the process because they, uh, they have the, the players and the, the team's best interest at heart. Okay. Finally in the show today, I do want to go over a, a rule briefly and, uh, something that popped up in my head or popped up uh some from something that that happened in in the game and uh when that whenever that happens it's it's always very nice to be able to point it out to fans uh generally speaking when there's a penalty the clock obviously stops for a penalty and then whatever the status of the clock was before the penalty uh you go back to it so a run play up the middle there's a holding uh the play ended in bounds okay boom after we mark off the penalty we'll wind the clock right Similarly, if a run goes out of bounds, there's an incomplete pass uh, after the penalty, the clock would stay stopped, right? So uh, a rule that they put in a few years ago into high school, and you've seen this maybe at other levels of football, but in high school, uh, under two minutes uh, of the la- of the first and the second half, uh, the offended team uh, has the option to start or stop the clock, keep the clock dead, or to run the clock um, after a penalty. Now, you can't the ball goes out of bounds and say, Hey, we want to run the clock. You can't do that. But what we saw on Friday night was right before the the half. And it was right before viewpoints only touchdown. Uh, They ran the ball down near the goal line and there was a face mask penalty uh, on Rio. And it brings up another point too, where the kid went down, uh, the face mask penalty was called. And because it was under two minutes left, uh, the clock stayed stopped because it was advantage uh, for viewpoint. They, they were the recipient of the, the, the penalty against Rio. So, uh, if the clock were already stopped due to the result of a play, however, like a running going out of bounds, then it would obviously stay stopped. So in, in some taste, in, so you have an option there. You can be like, yeah, we want to run the clock. Say it's the end of the game situation. And there's a penalty and you're trying to eat the clock or burn the clock, right? Then obviously you would be like, yeah, go ahead and uh, run the clock. We want it to run. So these are things that, you know, coach Carson needs to know uh, going into his decision-making. And I always try to point these out to him uh, in game situations. And I mentioned this on Friday night, because it was, a, it was a something you maybe talk about, but until you physically see it and understand like, okay, that's a scenario we need to be ahead of right there. So viewpoint elected to keep the clocks dead. Cause I think there was 15 seconds left and uh, they were able to run a play and they ended up getting in the end zone. So uh, that is why it was a run play ended in bounds clock should have run, but under two minutes, the offended team or the non-offending team of the, the penalty, the recipient of, uh, of the yardage will say, uh, gets to, uh, make that decision. So whether on offense or defense, you can elect to have the clock stay, uh, stopped or to, uh, to kick back up and run again, again, if it were to run, uh, under normal circumstances, not on an incomplete pass or a timeout or something like that. So, uh, just a brief rule thing there only under the last two minutes of each, first and second half. And on that play, I want to mention there was a face mask. A court, I think it was on the quarterback. He went down and he was injured or was hurt long enough for the officials to address that. Hey, that player's hurt. Even though the, the that he was technically, you could say injured based off of a penalty, um, high school football, he still has to exit the game because it's a safety first uh, business, right? Now, if it was a situation where there was a penalty uh, that resulted in like a player losing you, when you high school football, your helmet comes off. You have to go out of play, right? Unless you, the, a foul caused the helmet to come off like face masks or something. Then in that situation, you could be like, all right, uh, no, you, he gets to stay in the game because it was a penalty, but just because uh, you were fouled against and it caused you to be injured, you don't get to stay in 
based on that circumstance, you have to still go out and exit a play. And that brings up a point. I still think, I don't think you can quote buy a guy back in. I will double check that and try to make that announcement next week. Um, for instance, uh, in some levels of football, you can use, well, hey, we want our guy to come in this place, so we're going to burn a timeout. And that's called buying him back in, basically, to because theoretically, okay, you go out for a play to, to receive you know treatment from medical staff, but if you're burning a timeout, you could be like, no, that is uh, that was he got looked at during the timeout. I don't think that exists in high school because they err on the side of safety with everything, regardless of a timeout or not. But I do know that if a foul uh, cause the player to be injured, he still does have to exit the game. So I hope all that makes sense. Just trying to, again, provide a little insight and that, especially the clock information that could come down, uh, come, come up in a, in a close game. And I want to always make you guys uh, aware of things like that so that um, when you see weird things happen and maybe don't understand, you know, if, if we've addressed it on the podcast at some point, uh, maybe one or two people will be like, oh yeah, this, this came up and, and uh, yeah, yeah, we know what's, what's the right thing to do. And hopefully the officials uh, administer it all properly on the field as well. All right, guys, that'll wrap up today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Beat Brentwood, right? Beat the Eagles. It is a huge game. Get there early. Traffic will be tough on Friday, much like it was this last week. But uh, Real Hondo fans are road warriors. They get there early. Uh, I don't think the bleacher situation is great, if I remember correctly. Kind of a smaller bleacher uh, on the visiting side. Um, I actually have not been to Brentwood uh, for football. So this will be my first time being there. But I do know that Brentwood sits kind of on a hill. Or at least when we used to pl uh, play baseball there, we'd drive up this hill, I remember. And, uh, you know, kind of speaking from a military type, you know, uh, imagery or, or an example here, uh, my challenge to to the boys is to have that mentality that we're taking that hill. You know, like like you're storming a storming a, a I know maybe this is too dramatic or whatever for some people out there, but uh, the, you're trying you're, you're going on an all out assault on an enemy with a fortified position, high ground looking down on you. And it's, it's an area they're comfortable with. It's a, you know, the Eagle's nest we'll say. And um, my challenge to the boys, man, is to take that hill, you know, do what you got to do. One of my favorite movies is saving private Ryan. I know this is very dramatic and everything, but I, look, it's football. You get all this. There's always, you know, um, you know, in, what, what's the word? Uh, the, not the example. Sorry. It's been a long day. Uh, there's always, uh, you know, tied into military, uh, type things with football, just terminology and things. But one of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. And there's a scene in the movie where this this uh, this patrol, this unit, the nine guys or whatever it is, they're going to try to find uh, Private Ryan in the movie, right? And they come across this German position. The, the machine gun nest is up on a hill and they could go around it. They could just be like, hey, let's just, let's just ignore, ignore this and, and be on our way. Well, they decide to take the hill to take the to eliminate that threat because tom hanks uh who's the leader in the movie and he, they tell him like hey hey you know captain miller we can just go around this we and his point is why so they can ambush the next the next uh group of soldiers that comes by we can't we have we have to take care of this and his troops are begrudgingly like no we, we shouldn't do this. this is a really bad idea and um he, he selects a few guys including himself to lead the main assault and they spread out and they they attack this hill. They 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 take this hill. Um, they eliminate the uh, the threat. They do lose a guy, uh, one of their guys in the process. And I think that the the point of the scene is to show that tough decisions have to be made sometimes. And um, in Captain Miller's eyes, even though he lost the guy, 
he probably saved dozens of guys from a potential ambush uh, later on or something like that. So, and he even says that later in the movie, kind of that's how you justify the decisions you make losing guys or, or having to make, uh, you know, attacks on other people, other human beings. Um, because even though you maybe take a life, you end up, you're saving lives is in, it's kind of the, the, the moral of the story there and a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's 20 something years old, but uh, very violent. So I don't, I don't uh, recommend it for everybody, but it's one of my favorite movies and uh, man gets, gets me emotional every single time, especially, uh, you know, my, my grandfather fought in world war II, and I have his photo and his flag, uh, by my bedside that I look at every day. And I think about the fact that he came back and, um, if he had not come back, I would not have been here. So I would not be here and we wouldn't have a podcast. So anyway, not to get too uh, emotional or dramatic there, but Veterans Day is approaching in a few weeks. So I thought I would make mention of that. So to the Real Hondo guys, I know you're listening to this. I know you've heard me ramble long enough and kind of talk all season, but I just have one simple directive and uh, not direct. Yeah, one simple order for you guys as you prepare all week. So go in with the mentality that you guys, that hill is yours. The Brentwood Eagles are yours. And three simple words that I will leave, leave, will leave you all with today as we go into week nine against the Brentwood Eagles. Take that hill.